Yo, I don't hang out with those guys. Man, I ain't got nothing to do with those dudes. Man, and I saw your female with them, too. What's up with her? I've been hearing that she's been giving that stuff out to all them graffiti guys. Yo, shut the fuck up, Chico, man. Who paint three of those mules for some of that ass? The podcast which you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed by the three assholes recording it are done so solely for comedy purposes. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Whiskey Reel. Four and three and two and one. No reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Your mother sucks big fucking elephant dicks. Come on now, dog. You know I give you the mad, fat, superfly, stupid, dope, dumbass, retarded, bomb shit props. Take a big step back and literally fuck your own face. Are we gonna go sultry? No, I gotta. I'll, I'll explain it later. Why my voice is even yeah. I've noticed rougher. you're you're a little raspy. <laughs> Um, I have a very good excuse for that, and it has to do with what we're going to talk about later. But it's you not were, HPV. You were <laughs> you never know, dude. <laughs> Throat nodules. <laughs> um, you were I, you and Sean while I was out of town. And I'll talk about that later because it's an amazing story. We're texting back and forth like forever, as you were wont to do, and uh, you brought up out of the blue. I think today started off with. Um, MT, what did you say? MTG is like the worst person in the world or something like that. No, I, th- I said she was ridiculous. Yeah. MTG is ridiculous. And if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene, a.k.a. Friend, friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Marjorie Titan Green. Because if you've ever <laughs> seen Attack on Titan, she looks like one of them. I would um, introduce her as the human Easter Island statue. Yeah. Yeah, Marjorie yeah, yeah. Taylor Green, aka Look at that neck. Never been choked out, <laughs> partner. <laughs> I saw BJ Penn get her in a triangle, no. and she didn't go out. Uh, no, in fact, she reversed. <laughs> she reversed. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the parking lot of a Piggly Wiggly, and uh, the video is incredible. So I went back after because I'd been out of town, like I said. So I went back, I jumped right back into work. So I was like, what's going on with this bitch? And I went, oh yeah, that's right. They're doing the evidentiary trial, which is essentially a like, this is a trial to find out if they're going to go to the next step. Yes. So you're not really, you're not really arguing um, the case per se. You're arguing if there's enough evidence to take it to the next level. And what they're arguing is, under the 14th Amendment, somebody who is going into a federal position in government cannot be associated with a revolution or an insurrection. Says that in the 14th Amendment, uh, the fine people of Georgia, or no, this is federal, sorry, thought it would be a good idea to say she was involved, thereby not being able to um, get reelected. Yes. That's, that's the crux and today was the uh, first time she was on the stand. Yes. Yeah. And so you and I were bouncing back and forth our thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I watched as much of it as I could. I was <laughs> underwhelmed in mm-hmm. a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, with the line of questioning. But I was also 
I, I think I'm more optimistic than you are going forward. Right. That there's there's enough there there to right. warrant continuing to look into the situation. Right. And I'm going to give you your platform because you have some really pertinent thoughts on this. Um, I just found her constant denial yeah. and her lack of memory. <laughs> it's amazing. Because she's... She, that bitch can't remember a thing, bro. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't recall that, Senator. She, she knows where the next Klan meeting is. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, she does. Um, but yeah, I, I watched it after you mentioned that. I was like, "What's going on?" Then I remembered they were having the first kind of round of evidentiary um, trial. Basically, it's not really a trial, criminal wise. So what it's you're a doing hearing, it's a hearing. What you're doing in this is establishing enough evidence to move forward. That's all you're doing. You're not establishing um, any sort of um, verdict on anything. There's no per guilt. Se. There's no guilt. You're just saying, is there enough there there? Like you said, and a few things stood out to me. Number one. Yes, she has an an eerie lack of memory when it comes to pertinent information. <laughs> the second thing that really jumped out to me is from just from a um, legislative, not legislative, from a legal standpoint, the interplay between the prosecutor and the defendant was interesting. Uh, the prosecutor was kept getting objections throughout the course of his questioning, and it was a cross exam. So really in a cross-exam, what you're looking for is yes, no, or I don't recall. You're not looking for a speech. You're not looking for anything other than that. Um, He didn't get that. Maybe he got that once to three times. Yeah. The response from his questions used to let off meandering and some tangential bullshit. Soapboxing. Yeah. Lots of soapboxing. Lot of soapboxing. The problem was the, the judge is there to make sure that doesn't happen. He didn't. Did and not it was do that. very frustrating. So, and on top of that, the defense, and he was just doing his job. This is a guy that gets paid a lot of money to make sure his client doesn't go to the next phase of the trial. He objected on every single question that was asked by the prosecutor. So the prosecutor then went, do you just want to do a standing objection? through this whole line of questioning. And he was like, no, I'm not objecting all the time. And instead of the judge going, hey, listen, it's obvious you're trying to interrupt the flow of this hearing. Please object when appropriate. He didn't say that. So this guy kept going up and messing the prosecutor's flow. I will also say uh, MTG, um, I I was saying, Bobby and I were kidding. Why didn't they put Bobert up? Because she would have been such an, easier fish in a barrel to shoot i she's dumb yeah i'm not an attorney i'm not trained in anything <laughs> legal i guarantee you i can outsmart lauren bobert i can outsmart her i, I promise you i don't think there's anybody that listened to this show that would say it otherwise give me a three-day weekend <laughs> <laughs> and I promise you, she will be outsmarted. You and you and Bobert at Bonnaroo, yeah, <laughs> would be amazing. Uh, but I, I thought the prosecutor was lacking, not entirely his fault. 
He seemed a little bumbly. The defense kept interrupting. The judge did not put anybody in check. The judge never at one point said, answer the question. No. The prosecutor had to say, it's just yes or no to which happened that the defense would pop up and object. So it was very stop and start the entire line of questioning. Yes. It felt very in favor of the defense for a lot of the questioning. And I got to give Taylor Green credit. She was coached very well. And unlike Bobert, she she she's not entirely dumb. She she's very good at her grift, which is it's a grift. She makes money getting people upset. That's her entire job. She she took her coaching, which that's what's happening. That's they, what's happening. When you go into a trial, a good attorney is going to have you coached up. You're yeah. going to know how to respond to any permutation sure. of questioning that's going to come your way. Well, and you, you literally she brought through. all that neck, yeah, and she <laughs> handled it really well. She, I will give her credit. Um, she really did. When it was time to, uh, with a very almost demure little smile on her face, it was it was, which is hard for a monster. <laughs> like she is a golem. She <laughs> she's very smug and snarky. Yes. Um, which, but that didn't come through in this scenario. I don't think it did a little bit. A I little saw bit. flashes of her smirking. There and was smiling. moments when she was like, "I don't know. I don't recall this, but it's in your paper." She said that a couple of times. Right. It's you know in what this I mean? paper I have from CNN, which is a fake news organization. And yeah. she kept going down the road instead of the judge saying, yeah. "Hey, answer the question." Hey, um, Nick. Just saying. <laughs> Why don't you be more mouth than neck, if that's possible? Uh, it was a little disheartening for me. I know you said you were a little bit optimistic I'm about it. I'm a little it. bit more optimistic. I think there's yeah. enough evidentiary stuff going on here yeah. to carry on and continue to go into this investigation. I, I definitely could see all of this actually going to trial. It, it would be very hard for me not to have a judge look at the evidence, which yeah. is what this is, it's, and say... It's overwhelming, first of all. It's overwhelming. And when your only defense is, I don't remember if that happened. Right. And your second defense is like, well, maybe someone else did that. It, she alluded to it without saying it. She was very slippery, man. Oh, yeah. She, I always say yeah. na- nailing jello to a wall, right? She was very slippery. She might not be like smart, smart, but she's a slippery bitch. She's like um, a thick, necky ill. <laughs> she's like a She <laughs> slips right through your fingers. You think you got a hold of it. Oh, that big, thick, necky, <laughs> girthy <laughs> ill that she is. But then uh, she slips right through your fingers, slips right through and your then fingers. you're fucked. She's like yeah. thick sand. Ask her husband. <laughs> She's only cheated on him with how many personal trainers? I, I, God knows how uh, many. We've lost count. We've lost count. Yeah. Um, she but, loves to fuck a personal trainer. Oh, because she's a good this. Christian woman. She's a good Christian woman. Yeah, um, we love she her. cares. She cares about morals. Um, <laughs> the trans community. So I hear. I've um, fucked a personal trainer before. <laughs> it's not as. It's like fucking a statue. <laughs> Jesus, like, <laughs> like a trunk of burlwood. <laughs> you don't really fuck a personal trainer; you whittle. 
Yeah, yeah. You yeah. whittle them. You wear them out. You whittle them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that Test was fun. Cardio. We're going to see what's going to happen with that. Whole no, it's thing. it's fine, man. I, I, yeah. I'm always going to be cynical and expect the worst when it comes to our government and it's hard not to. what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, we won. We. Joe Biden won an election which has never been basically, I don't want to say verified. It's been verified, but it's never been, um, I, I, I feel like we've never adjudicated that situation to the point of the country actually buying in and believing the fact that that man won the election. Are you saying by virtue of what they think? Yeah. There's not been an election. In, 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 in the public realm, I think they won the public relations argument. I think they won the, you know, they attempted a coup, which yeah. is undeniable. Uh, undeniable. 100%. The courts have come forward and disproven essentially every fucking argument. At any major argument, there's not been one piece of substantiated evidence that says otherwise. But we have a country that relies on their news from these organizations that have never allowed that to sink in. Yeah. It, it doesn't even feel like Joseph Biden is president of the United States. In a weird way. Like it's... we're in a weird holding pattern yeah. for four years before Donald Trump gets to be president again. Like that's how 40 some odd percent of this country literally feels. Yeah. Yeah. They feel like we're just waiting because he's coming back. Yeah. Well, Let's hope let's hope the AG of uh, New York does her job and makes it so that can't happen. I would hope uh, so. We'll, we'll see. There's a lot I, of shit coming forward, but you know how long all these things can take. I will. I, I will say there's been one bright spot. We'll end this on a bright spot. Oh, our, our political segment. On I love a bright it. spot. The uh, the GOP side of Tennessee. Now we're talking about Tennessee. I don't know if you guys know Little Red. The Trump-endorsed candidate for the GOP has just been kicked off the ticket. Yep. Um, that is basically the Republicans of that state saying, we don't want to be associated with you anymore. Whereas six months ago, that would have been unheard of. It kind of shows some chinks in the armor starting to happen. Um, I think sure. we're going to get I think we're going to get Trump throwing his hat into the ring sooner rather than later in the next presidential He's going to have to. Because the reason, the only reason he hasn't said he was running for president, if you guys don't know, is he gets to, he gets to skirt campaign finance rules. Yes. That's the only reason he hasn't announced his election. He gets to take money without having to prove where it goes yet. Yep. And as soon as he says, I'm going for president, then rules come into play that he can't skirt around. But I think if he continues to see chinks in his armor, he's going to have to throw his hat in the ring, yeah. uh, which we all know is going to happen anyway. But I know. I, I I don't know. I'm more optimistic about the next presidential race than I am about things like the, the justice system sure. bringing these people well, to heal. I mean, Donald Trump is going to run with Dr. Oz as his fucking running mate, probably. <laughs> which... By the way, that's not as far-fetched as you think it is. At all. He's full-on endorsed that moron. For Senate. For 
Pennsylvania? Something like that. Right? Something like that. Some it's some state. purple state. So, That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, no, it is. It's a swing state for yeah, sure. And I, I can't sure. remember exactly where it is. But it, yeah, Dr. Oz, who is the height of legitimacy. Of course he is. You know. Um, He's not been. As to long sp- as you like acai berries that don't <laughs> do anything except make you fat. <laughs> it just feels like a good ticket. It feels. <laughs> Honestly, I would probably give pause and say, should I vote for Dr. Oz? <laughs> <laughs> How mad is Rick DeSantis that Dr. Oz is his new favorite? Before we move on, seriously, the one person that should be mad about all this is fucking Sarah Palin. Because she was construed as the most ridiculous vice presidential candidate. Easily. Easily. I mean, like, she made Dan Quayle look like fucking... Do you remember? Do you remember? Someone smart. I don't know. (laughs) Carl Sagan. Do you remember Hillary Clinton's running mate? No. I don't. Okay. Holy cow. That was was the guy from Virginia. Kane. Kane. Right. From Virginia, right? I don't know. His Am I right name. about that? <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Michael Kane. Michael Kane. No. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. Um, as we are wont to do, we, we do have a good time. We do go on. Pre-show uh, discussing what we're about to do. However, we are back to the whiskey reel. The whiskiest of reels and the riskiest of wheels. We are way, 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 way up. Above the Earth's crust, here in Cloud City, having a lovely time. It might look like an actual fucking, might look like Bill Paxson and Helen Hunt are running through the parking lot of fucking Craigers right now, escaping a twister. That's I, not true. I just about took a cow <laughs> to the temple. <laughs> it is so windy and gross here. The only thing that saved Bill Paxson was Helen Hunt's face. You figured it. Um, we are amidst an apocalyptic windstorm right now. <laughs> Typically, or as like Rex to say, Rex likes to say, she's handsome. She's a handsome lady. Handsome lady. I was about to say that. Just saying. Um, Rex stole your thunder. Yeah. She steals right. my thunder all the time. No. Um, and gives me so much more thunder. I'll explain that in the Denver segment. Okay. That being said, you're back. We're back. We're up in Cloud City. We're at Mountainside Studios. Um, Bobby will explain what he bought and why. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. But first things first, let's introduce each other. It's been a, it's been a wacky, weird week. And uh, there's nobody else I would like sitting across from me after a wacky, weird Aww. week other than... Uh, the Baba Duke of your dreams. It's the Honey Badger, and he does make sounds. The <laughs> Honey Badger, especially when it's mating season. Oh, and the Honey Badger does give a fuck. <laughs> he does give a fuck. <laughs> this is one Mister Bobbeth Van Noise of the Tallahassee Van Noises. Oh, thunderous applause! Hey, for Mister Noise. Um, I don't have a soundboard, or I would throw <laughs> that in there. Um, across from me. You guys know him. He's Tony Montanus. Yeah, bro. He is the opposite of Dorian Gray. Yeah, bro. He's the hammer of destruction. Woo! He is the general manager of Mountainside Studios. <laughs> no. You run this bitch. That's what's up. You run this bitch. Thanks, bro. Yeah. That made me blush. Yeah. Mr. Antonio Branderas, my good friend, the love of my life. Yeah. <laughs> when you're not 
when you're not messing with <laughs> hippies of oh. indeterminate status. Aaron. I know. I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> I almost, Such a jerk. I almost went down the road. Uh, Let's not. Before we talk about what Bobby Brung, we talked. I'm going to throw you this little. Yeah. Okay. We you, don't do, you mentioned earlier. I have to. You have a little story. I have to. A tale. Um, this is a check-in. Regale. Thank you, sir. Um, your boy here doesn't get vacations. I don't get to go places and do fun things. I haven't in a long time. Um, we went to go visit Rex's dad in Indianapolis low many moons ago, and that was for a few days and that was a family thing. And that's super cool. That was fun. Um, we got to go to Denver and, uh, we, we kind of keystone this little vacay and it was only a few days. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't off in the Caribbean for a month. So before you get excited, I don't get that. Uh, but what I do do is get to fly to Denver Go be in a city. Rex and I, both from the city, feels good to be surrounded by concrete and glass and urine and people you have to step over and be nice about it. You know, yeah, being a all dick sorts about of it. disparate um, humanity. Oh, it is such a city, Denver, uh, <laughs> these days. It feels like you're in the middle of, you know, downtown LA or, or you know, in the middle of like Manhattan or something, minus the the nice stuff they do have very nice stuff too but i'm just saying we weren't in that section staying at a really nice hotel we get in there and we're just instantly back in love we're in a city man yeah i get to go to i mean doordash had 87 fucking options yeah i mean anytime you can order food of any cuisine and get it to you you just you well up a little much. Sure. When you live in old Durangi, you got like six solid options. Three are available. You only really want one. That's how this works here. You that mean you p- don't like the machos taco with a bite <laughs> taken out of it already? God, I'm not going to say anything. That was so specific. Um, although there is a place that serves Texas tacos in town. My friend took a bite and it was a piece of chewing gum within the bite. Wow. I that's know exactly next, what that's you're next level. About. Um, that being said, that's a shithole. De- we're in Denver. We check in. We're feeling great. We <laughs> we go to a Mexican joint. It's fucking awesome. Margaritas. Had some Doña Celia Reposado. Fucking feeling good. Uh, let's mm. go. Get a few days to ourselves. No kiddo, just us. Um, Started partying at this place, and if you guys know Denver, anybody out there, we went to this place called the Tarantula. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pool hall. It's super grimy, our style. So we're out front, feeling good. We've been there for a couple hours now, checked in, woo, woo, woo. We're having some drinks, having a dirt outside. And all of a sudden, we can, we're can. we literally across the street from our hotel. We see a tour bus pull in to the hotel. And she was like, oh, what is that? I go, that's a quarter million dollar tour bus, Dragon Equipment. I that That's a band. That's not some kids in a van playing a show down the street. It's like, damn, that's crazy. I wonder who that is. Lo and behold, we went there in the first place to see a band that I've done here on the program called Idols. It's one of my favorite bands in the world. Whoa. We went to go see them that Tuesday. This is Sunday night. 
We went to see them Tuesday. They're playing the Mission Ballroom. It's like 16,000 people. It's a huge like venue there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting across the street and I watch tour bus pull out. And I'm like, I'm like, that's a big ass tour bus. I was like, wouldn't that be fucking the best if that's idols? And we're sitting there having a drink and I'm kind of keeping my eye and I see somebody step off and I'm like, huh, is that the guitar player? And I'm like, nah, man, fucking not the guitar player, whatever. And so a bunch of people are unloading, you know, bags and shit. They had all their gear parked, you know, parked there. And then all of a sudden, I think I see another member of the band pull out. So now I'm like, okay, we got to close out. I ju- I'm just curious. So we walk by and it's all big bay windows, right? Um, at the first level of this place. So we walk by and I'm looking over. Sure as shit. I see the bass player, guitar player, the oh, singer wow. all sitting in the lobby. They look like they had just been mugged because they'd come. They drove right from Coachella, which they played yep. to Denver uh, to play this show. So I'm like, oh my fucking God, dude. These guys are here. Now, mind you, I'm a kind of a geek for these guys. I'm not a fanboy, though. I've, I'm too old and I've met too many people to like, f- you know, freak out. So we go to the hotel bar, right? And I'm telling her, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm telling Rex, like, that's fucking crazy that they're staying here. That's so cool. And she's like, go say something. I'm like, what am I? What are you going to say? These guys just got off the road for fucking God knows how many hours it takes to go on a tour bus from Coachella to fucking, you know, Denver. I'm like, nah, man. Let them have their space. Plus, they got the Coachella crown. Dude, just saying. Well, whatever. Yeah. I, that was literally the last on my mind. <laughs> um, so we go to the lobby. We're hanging out. We're having drinks. We're meeting people. It's like, oh, my God, you guys know who are in the lobby right now? It's these guys, the idols. And nobody knew who they were because very few people do. Unfortunately, they're still a huge band. They pack fucking arenas. and But if you don't know that music, you don't know that music. So don't, it's not like I said Aerosmiths in the fucking, you know, <laughs> it's it's not like a big ass band. So, but I'm still freaking out. I was like, that's so fucking cool. How, what a great start to my trip, right? So Rex goes, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm yapping it up. All of a sudden I turn left. Rex turns around the corner with the lead singer and the guitar player behind her. My immediate first reaction was to look over to the bartender. This kid was cool as could Andre. And I was like, fuck. And he looks at me and he's just like, he shakes his head. I was like, hey, baby. She's like, hey, I brought your boys for you. So they come over and they're like, what's up, bruv? And they're fucking, they're English. They're bruv. They're bruv. Everything's bruv. Um, We start talking, rapping. I'm buying the lead singer margaritas. We're hanging out, we're laughing, we're cavorting. I spent my whole first night in Denver hanging out with idols. Very cool. Yeah. Especially because they're very cool. Yeah. There's no big timing going on. No. There's bros. They're bruvs. 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 So. Believe. I, I, brava. Believe. Brava. Um, so we spent our whole time hanging out with them. They did their shit. Saw everybody hung over in the morning, was just like, what's up, bruv? Um, and then you start talking like them, which is really not okay to it's do. It's not okay. Not okay. Not okay. But I've done that. It's I okay. don't care. 
because this wasn't going to happen again. <laughs> then proceeded to go to fucking Meow Wolf and almost get in fights and stabbings. Go see idols. I, I must. And, and today is the first time I got my voice back. Yeah. So I'm happy I got my voice back before the podcast. But it's a little raspy from Tuesday night screaming my dick off. And of course. Crying and fucking hugging people and going nuts. Um, one of the coolest fucking out of town experiences in my life. That's One awesome, of the dude. coolest, man. That's amazing. And so needed for a guy that hasn't really taken a real vacay in more years than I care to talk about. I can't even think about the last time I left this town. That's what I'm saying. I mean, even if it wasn't something inconsequential, for a real recreational out of town. Yeah. Not visiting family, not going out no. of town for business. Just fucking just fucking off. I'm gonna go for a few days. I'm gonna go rage yeah. for a few days. I'm I'm ready. Everybody needs it. We're looking at a. We're looking. I've been looking. I've been looking around for a place where all of us can go. I like that. We need to. Uh, we need to catch something cool, man. Like some Deftones or some Tones just played some RTJ. Uh, you know they're recording. We missed out on RTJ and yeah. uh, Rage and Rage. Which was Which, a big one. They didn't. That come was a big one. Really close. They announced another show in Las Cruces. They did like the reannouncement. Oh shit! Um, but I looked at the dates, and the dates were fucked. Just ridiculous. Yeah. So I was like, man. And I mean, another day, bro. Another day, bro. Another day, bro. Anyway, I love, I love you, Joe, and the boys, and Dev. I love all you boys because they're big fans of the program. Well, speaking of limey idiots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I love it. I kid. Um, I actually used to spend a lot of time with uh, Royal Air Force pilots when I was in the Air Force. Oh, that's cool. And they are the coolest slash dumbest fucking people <laughs> that I've ever hung out with in my life. I had so much fun hanging out in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates with British pilots. A bunch of inits. They were... Dumb. <laughs> also, never had more fun in my entire the sweetest life. Sweetest man on the Just, planet. <laughs> oh, and if somebody fucked with you, somebody was getting headbutted. It was you know a what I mean? First. Yeah. Some fucking RAF pilot would just be like, fuck it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Take it, bro. <laughs> Take it, bro. And fucking, you're just standing there like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, if I fight somebody in the Air Force, I get a court martial. Sure. I'm going to be in a room. Full of fucking lieutenant colonels telling me how stupid how I am. How stupid you are. Right. Those guys just go home. <laughs> they do whatever they want. <laughs> they just do whatever they fucking want. I love it. So they drink gin. Yeah, bro. I drink gin. Oddly a enough. lot. Oddly enough. Almost every day of my life. Um, I know we call this the whiskey reel, but you you know we digress, guys. We digress a little bit. Yeah. But I I found this interesting because we've done a couple of different variations of Riger's whiskey. So there's a company, J. Riger. Kansas City. Kansas City. Yeah, man. Um, we've done a couple of their bourbon for sure. And there we was did, another one we did. We only did one. Was it we only did the, the one? whiskey. The one whiskey. Yeah. It was um, a whiskey, and what made it different is there, I believe they were in sherry. Yes. 
That was the sherry yeah. cast and they, finish. No, they add sherry. Very good. They add sherry. Fucking to, delicious. It was fucking amazing. Fucking delicious. So I never heard of this company before the whiskey, and then we're walking around. Well, yeah. And I was, I, I'm a little whiskeyed out for a minute, because I don't know if you guys have realized, we drink whiskey every fucking week for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I saw this Riger's gin, Riger's Midwestern dry gin. They should underline the dry. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very, uh, we can make this short, by the way. Yeah. This is gin and it's full on fucking gin. No confusion. Um, this is the most juniper forward fucking gin that I have had in a long time. Yeah. When they say dry, it is fucking dry, dude. This is beef eater dry. This is beef eater kerosene yeah. gin. Yeah. Like this is the gin that makes people hate gin. Right. It's the gin that makes me remember how much I love gin. So I love gin. What makes I things love juniper. Dry. What makes things dry? Alcohol. Yeah. Tannin. Yep. Barreling sometimes yep. when it's dark. But when it comes to things like this, it's when it comes to gin, what things make what makes things dry typically is the botanical makeup because there's tan there's weird phenols in there that tighten up your moisture in your mouth. This one, along with being way juniper forward, which is the predominant flavor in gin, you guys know that. Can't make a gin without juniper. That's what the gininess of gin, that's what it is, is juniper. The other thing that it has is it's only almost 93%. Which is much like Tangare. It's in that Tangare neighborhood, right? Also, With, flavor profile very, very much similar. in that Tangare. Profile. I would. There was something about this that I would. I'm just saying over Tangare. There's a there's a, a syntheticness to Tangare that I can't put my foot on. That no, it's is probably glycerol or something. Yeah, it's like probably of that yeah, 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 yeah. If there, there's something in this. It's a that, huge mass-produced thing. This is a 100%, small batch. hundred percent. This yeah. small batch shit. Oh, Bobby. By the way, it says extra fine. Well, I mean, I could, <laughs> I could tattoo that out of my it, chest. It doesn't, doesn't make, make it fucking it so. true. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I kid. I think this is a really nice product. This was a thirty-five dollar bottle. Thirty-four, thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to call this a don't buy. Like this is a buy. I will say this though, for the price, you could probably buy Tangeray, and you're going to get much the same experience. Especially if you, like we, are mixing it with White Rock tonic water. <laughs> Which, by the way, we've never seen. By the way, I don't hate it. It's not as bad as Seagram's or Canada Dry or... I don't know. Canada Dry's... What about Schweppes? Gross. <laughs> We're fever tree guys. Do you remember obviously. when uh, John Cleese used to... Schweppes. Do Schweppes. Yes. Commercials. Yes. Fucking fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, this is gin. It tastes good in tonic. I think the Riger's gin, I would call it a buy. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't have a problem it, with this it, whatsoever. If you're if you're a gin aficionado, then you can pick up the nuances of gin. You have things you like in gin. A lot of people like, I only like London's. Or I only oh, like... Yeah. Aromatics or... Aromatics. Or botanicals. I, or, or the reason why I only drink Hendrix. Or I only do this. 
Um, Would you consider Hendrix a botanical or a uh, dry? It's a botanical for it's sure. It's a botanical. It's not right? overly dry at all, which is why if, and this happens once a year, I order a martini, it's usually Hendrix. It's because it's not overly dried. Okay, we're doing fine on time, so let's take three minutes. What? Name your f- go-to aromatic, botanical, and dry gins. Take your time. I'm I mean, go, no, one's, no one's listening. I'm a, I know. <laughs> I'm going to go Roku that we did as aromatic. As your aromatic. Gorgeous. Um, Love it. Love I it. will probably go as my go-to dry. Um, that's tough, man. Um, yeah, there's a handful that are fabulous. Uh, oh, you know what? No, I won't do that. This is oh, gonna, it's gonna okay. be a minute. Give That's a okay. Minute. I I threw you on the spot. No, no, no. It's fine. No, no, no. Because uh, for a long time, believe it or not, beef eater was my dry. Uh, it's not now. Um, I'm rifling through the index of stuff that I know. So give me a second. Oh, there's a product out of Colorado called Golden Moon. Ooh, yes, that sir. is. Fuck. That's a nice pull. Nah, that is a beautiful brother. pull. Um, and we're getting real esoteric with these. Where's uh Golden Moon from? They're it's a They're great like company. Boulder or something. Yeah, it's I like think. a Boulder. You guys should look. Golden, Golden Moon, Moon is a really, really lovely product, dry man. gin. Um, really good. Yeah, but botanical nice pull. botanicals. A little harder. Why don't you go? Give me some time. Um, I mean. Like I said before, like if I if I'm buying a dry gin for the house, I usually buy either Tangeray or uh, I do have a <laughs> I oh a, sapphire. That's my just for my go to. Give me sorry. a second. Sorry, that's all right. You shit all over my second. <laughs> um, no, but I I do buy Tangeray a lot, and I like this product called City of London. Okay, which is a big liter bottle of really fucking well-balanced, super dry gin. The only place in this town that sells it is W. Day Joyles. W. Day Joyles. W. J. Doyles. Yeah. I said just W. Day Joyled. W. J. Doyles. Sponsor of the program. Friends friends of the podcast. W. J. Doyles, they have the leader of City of London. It's like 24 bucks, man, for a leader. That's big. And it's fucking really nice man it's right up there with tangeray um my aromatic is definitely sapphire in most cases yeah that's my go-to yeah man aromatic that's my biggie um, dude. but you're right with the roku gin we did that on the podcast that is a fucking fabulous gin um botanical i like i hate to say it because it's called the botanist but that oh, is a botanist that's a good fucking one. that's a really good insanely one. good that's a botanical good botanical gin i mean that shit the- is I don't that, even know what to do with it. Uh, it's a baddie, dude. I mean, I drink with, I drink it. I, I usually Mo- just mostly. drink it. I mostly, um, I drink it. Honorable mentions, Green Alls, if you can find it. So Green Alls is in my category of like, take this shit home because I need something, gin. But it's it is solid as Super balls, fucking good. Yeah. It is better than most dry gins. And uh, the other one I would throw in it, Monopolova. Their dry gin not bad. for 20 bucks. It's is pretty solid. Crazy solid. We're giving you guys like 
like we're not. Giving oh no, you, these are nuggets. We're, not we're giving, giving you pearls, boodles, or like no. We're not giving you any of the easy stuff. Um, we want to give you like little nuggety nugs when yeah, it comes to. I'm not going to ask my listeners to go out and buy Monkey Forty Seven for sixty dollars. You know Which, what I mean? By the way, if you want to just sip gin, oh, if you've ever wanted to actually taste gin, fuck off. That's a beautiful fucking fuck product. off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're done with booze. We're done, you pricks. Jesus Christ! All right, I saw something <clears throat> on Twitter yesterday. What'd you see? That blew my fucking mind in so many different ways. How's that? It's gonna sound stupid, but I saw Mike Tyson beat the living piss. <laughs> Out of some dumb fucking drunk white kid on a fucking airplane. Right. And it caused... That was first class, too. It caused such a kerfuffle. Did it? Amongst the Twitterati. That's a great <laughs> phrase. Um, so what happened is this young, white, suburban, I'll say it, douchebag, <laughs> was... Got a seat behind Mike, and what I'm assuming was a first class seat. It looked like it looked first like class. First class it looked like me. first class. Fuck. Uh, I don't know how this douche fucking 19 year old got a fucking seat in first class, but whatever. Trust Thanks. fund. Thanks, Dad. Trust fund. So he decided, in all of his limited wisdom, to start heckling and prodding and taunting the former. Heavyweight champion of the world, many, many times over, who also is the most terrifying human yeah. on planet Earth, even now at yeah. 60 fucking years old. I don't even want to be in the same building as fucking Mike Tyson. We, I don't even want to be around him. We we talked about, and for those of you who know that are older, obviously you know who Mike Tyson is. You've heard of Mike Tyson your whole life. I don't care if you're 18 years old. You know who Mike Tyson is. To see him fight, to see him hit a heavy bag, I think as as late as a year ago, I think I saw him work a heavy bag. Or no, he was working well, pads. He was, he was working up he was working for the pads. Roy Jones Jr. fight. Fucking A, dude. To, to this day. My God. My, that boy is a problem. Frightening. Also has had run-ins with the law. Also has had some mental health issues, which he is very, very candid about. 100%. Um, he's a very intelligent, uh, uh, lucid, um, almost introspective guy. Like, I yeah. like listening to Mike Tyson talk about life sometimes. Yeah. Because he has a perspective that I cannot identify with in any way because he lived a, like, he was, he was a multimillionaire on top of the world at 19. 19 years old. When when you couldn't do that through TikTok or Insta. Like, he had to earn it by fighting. Well, and to further accentuate this conversation, Mike Tyson at 19 was fighting grown fucking men that were 27, 28, 29, 35, 35 yeah. years old when he was 19 and he was so terrifying that those fights were over before they began yeah. and all he had to do was step in the ring and just beat the fire yeah. out of these poor men that yeah. had been fighting for fucking their entire yeah. lives probably you know michael spinks was a tough tough human being yeah had a tough brother he had a his older a- brother leon spinks probably 
spent his whole life beating the shit out of Michael. You yeah. know what I mean? And he was heavyweight champion of the world. Heavyweight champion um, of the world. Mike Tyson so, made him look like a fucking child yeah, when he was look like a baby. 19 years old. And the whole, and then, so he had his thing. He had the ear bite thing. He had the sure, that jail was, thing. Rape was, that was rape. <clears throat> so he, Mike's already been through cancel culture. Prior to cancel culture, he was OG cancel culture. Came back, kind of redeemed himself. He had a one man show that really was very, um, really showed a light into who he was at, as as a man now. Not trying to take away any of his uh, bad things that that guy's done by any stretch. We're just saying no. he turned a corner. It looks like as a man, very um, self effacing. Very realistic about who he is and what he did. Very open. Very open. And subsequently has now become kind of a weird... He's a folk like, hero. Poke, he's a folk hero. Yeah, he's kind of a pop icon. Yeah. Um, in a weird way. Um, and please, if you're hearing this, Mike Tyson, friend of the podcast, fight Jake Paul and kill him. That would be... Um, he. You know he tried to call him out. Jake Paul tried to call him out. Fight him and kill him. Mike Tyson at 60 years old. <laughs> Can work. Would kill that man. And kill that whole family, dude. Anyway, that so Bobby, wow. explain what it was like. Because you told me things I didn't know. And maybe, There's a video. Mike Tyson's yeah. in the front seat. This and guy's maybe, in the back seat. Maybe what we're talking about isn't even that relevant. Maybe this is just a confrontation between two men on a plane. And maybe that actually colors it in a way that makes it more fair. That's exactly what happened. So this young man, uh, I've seen the video, is prodding, calling him champ, calling you know, calling him on like you want to throw fists, you want to do this, you want to do that. He's touching the back of Mike's seat. At some point, I haven't seen this video. I can't confirm nor deny this happened was apparently punching the back cushion of Mike's seat. At some point in this confrontation, Mike Tyson took off his adorable little neck pillow. Because, <laughs> by the way, the whole time this is happening, he's just laying there with a neck pillow on, right. trying to ignore this fucking suburbanite piece of shit frat boy. At some point, he stopped doing that. He right. took off his neck pillow, deflated it, folded it, handed it to his bodyguard, and beat the leving shit out of this guy. Right. Um, now, he didn't, like, fuck him up, but he he leaned over the seat. He, he popped him. He popped him. He right. threw some hands. He scuffed him up pretty good. I'm guessing today he looks worse than he did yesterday. The kid probably has For some sure. swelling. and I'm guessing he took some fucking licks right. from the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, not called Muhammad Ali. Exactly. And arguably... Maybe better than Muhammad Ali. We won't ever know. We would never know. Yeah. So this kid took some licks. Now, here's where it gets weird. Everybody, because of Mike's cultural status as this folk hero icon, he's a he's a he's a iconoclast. He is. He is iconoclast. Um, everybody kind of jumped to his defense. Like, yeah, you don't have to. Put up with that shit. Eventually, you're going to stand up. You're going to beat his ass, right? right. Well, then, my friends, 
the libtards, which I don't believe in don't, that word. Don't I don't believe that. in that word. I don't believe in that word. I've been called a libtard before, and it makes me furious. No. But I will say this. There is a portion of liberal culture that makes me want to drive off a cliff. Right. And I know. forget that they exist. I know. Um, I follow some popular people on Twitter just to hear their fucking bullshit. And I will just call it out. One of them, Richard Marks, who is such a joke. By the way. Greatest hair ever. Rex, one of her favorite people ever. Really? Okay. Which is why and, this is awesome. And I kind of love him. No. His post-Richard Marks years. Yeah. I love the guy. Because he had three really good songs. So he comes out and he's like, so let me get this straight. Now he's trying to make a salient point. I get it. But what he really did was a huge virtue signal, which is so, so egregious. You're so brave. He's so brave to come out and say, you guys are going to criticize Will Smith for slapping Chris Rock. But now you're going to defend Mike Tyson for punching this kid on a plane. Right. To which my response was 100%. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Every fucking time. That's not the same situation. Okay. It's a bullshit false equivalency that you're trying to create. This is not the same situation at all. It it gives me pause to think the only reason that... um, The only reason those two things were brought together is because there's... Black guys involved? Black guys involved. 100%. Um, that makes me uncomfortable. Uh, number two, a guy telling... You want to talk apples and oranges. A guy telling a joke about a woman, her husband going up on stage and assaulting him, in his mind is the same as you being in a tight area with no way out and some guys punching the back of your seat. And obviously egging you on to the point. Just being a dick. Now, listen, being a dick is your right as an American. And you don't get to hit people for that. My thought was this. It wasn't like Chris Rock was punching the back of Will Smith's Smith's seat. In my head, that's an act of aggression. And and I was talking to Bobby and I made a joke. And I was like, I'm going to hold a piece of paper between your face and my fist. And then I'm going to hit the paper. And then that hits your face. Man, I wasn't hitting the... I, wouldn't, well, I wasn't hitting your face. I was hitting the fucking paper. Yeah. The I know paper hit you. I know it's, I know it's a <laughs> real far analogy. The point being is that I'm settled in my space. You're literally moving my body around by your assault, by your aggression. If you were sitting in a chair... At a restaurant, somebody came behind you and slid your chair back while you were sitting there. Is that an act of aggression? Would you deny that? If you were sitting across from a bar from somebody and somebody start, took their shoe and threw it at you, is that an act of aggression? Does that warrant retaliation? That's a different discussion. But don't conflate Will Smith doing what he did with this. That is poor choice of fucking analytics at that point. Yeah, no. You're a fucking idiot it's at that point. I'm sorry. Richard Marks, I love your fucking mullet. I always have. I've always been jealous. That's a bad take, my guy. 
This guy's trapped in a tube on the sky with a guy he can't walk away from. No. He can't get up and walk away from this guy. There's not even a fucking um, official. This is a a man two weeks ago. Where were the stewards? that, That was confronted in a club with a gun. Mike Tyson. Well, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. This guy, a couple of weeks ago, pulls a gun, confronts Mike Tyson, talking all this bullshit, right? Right. So what does Mike do? He diffuses the situation. By the end of the night, he ends up hugging the guy and telling him, you need to live a better life. You know what I mean? So dope. You know what I mean? You're right. He There was no escape from this situation. That's Because this correct. guy was being egged on. By the fact that, like, there were some guys across the aisle that were, like, filming the whole situation. Uh, yeah, and you could hear him going, this is crazy, yeah, this, this is crazy. crazy. And he could hear them, too. Right. So he's being kind of egged on by a couple of brothers across the fucking aisle. I'll just say it. They s- sounded very much like black guys. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? Who's doing this to Mike Tyson? Well, I think what they were thinking in their head was, who's the fucking idiot? Who's this that's exactly what they because were thinking. Because nobody was saying anything other than, this kid is crazy. Yeah. He's about to die. Dude. And, and listen, I'm not saying that him punching that guy is okay. What I'm saying is, if you were trapped in a tube in the sky and somebody was punching the back of your chair and continuously being aggressive, being over you with a finger in your face... That is not Will Smith walking a hundred feet because somebody told the joke. Those two things don't yeah. exist in the same universe, my guy. Well, and I'll take it a step further. I don't think that Will Smith should have fucking slapped Chris Rock in the face. At all. But I will say this. It is not unreasonable to think that Chris Rock should have expected a response from Will Smith. What did we say when this happened? What is the response? Now, that's another... That's another conversation. Again, That's Mike Tyson didn't have the opportunity to take this guy behind him backstage oh, to explain you... to him. Dude. Will Smith did. Yeah. That's the difference. This guy was trapped on a tube in the sky and had nowhere to go. And obviously, I'm really questioning the staff. After seeing this guy act the fool, where were the stewards? Where were the people going, yeah. sir, if you were not going to fucking settle down, we're going to remove you from the plane? Where were the people noticeably seeing this guy was drunk enough not to fly? Well, last Where week, were those people? Last week, there was the very viral video of the Christian gospel group that was on a plane and just decided they were going to stand up. Oh, my God. Serenade everyone that, on the fucking plane. Is that assault? Plane. That's assault, That's my assault. friend. That's assault. By the way, I wish Mike Tyson was on that fucking plane. That would have been beautiful. You know what I mean? Which he would have let it go, dude. He would have let it go. actually a he pretty calm care. dude. He didn't care. But when you're punching the back of his seat and putting your finger in his face, yeah. and he can't walk away. That dude hasn't been in a street fight since Mitch Green and stepped by the way, to him. Did you and by see the way, me? how'd that work out, Did you Mitch? see Mitch Green's face? Oh, tuned Thank up. you, brother. Tuned um, up. Anyway, I feel no sympathy for this man. If Mike catches a charge, he catches a charge. He's I don't know gonna what to be say. fine. He's um, gonna be fine. I hope neither Will Smith nor Mike Tyson catch a charge. Agreed. I, I don't think it's that serious either way. Sometimes and this is the other thing. See, this, you're this, gonna this, do the sometimes men. 
It's Are not you going to do this sometimes, it's Ben? It's the social media response of my liberal brethren that come on and like, well, violence is never the answer. I don't know. Never. Violence is never the if answer. If I walk into your house. First of all, not true. Go, not true. Go on. Not true. Um, violence is never the first answer. No. Violence should always be the last answer. Yeah. You should exhaust all of their opportunities. And then if violence is necessary, it's necessary. We were walking down, we were walking down Champa Street in Denver. There's a weird spot where it's all it's right in front of the Social Security building. Which, if you've ever been in a major city, never go by the Social Security building. Sure. We didn't know it was there. We were just trying to go grab some booze yeah. or whatever. We were walking down the street. We're coming back, <clears throat> and uh, it's me and Rex, and about 20 feet in front of me, I see a guy reach behind him and pull his shirt up. And I'm like, and I was like, nope. I nope. was like, that motherfucker's nope. about to fight. Yeah. And then he grabbed it, pulled it off, started walking to this guy to the left and started accosting him. Like, what the fuck? This guy, they, that guy had never met that guy. Took a swing. I must say the little... The little suburban white kid ducked in time, didn't get popped. But in the meantime, me and me and Rex are right behind him. We get 15 feet, 10 feet, 5 feet. And luckily, this guy turned his attention and kept his attention to this guy. My whole thought was, if this guy turns around and puts his eyes on me, I'm going to have to fucking put this guy down. Because right now, he's... In a place. Yep. And I don't know what that place was, drug related, mental health related, but I got to protect me and what's mine. Should I... Don't ever tell me. Should I call some type of law enforcement agency to come and intervene? No, because... In the 15 seconds, seconds that it's, it's going to take. take. No. No, you're going to defend yourself and or your or, or partner. You, or you know what? You're not and going to suffer the consequences of that. So... Is the only other logical conclusion in this scenario to turn and run? I mean, for all you know, this motherfucker runs a four six forty. Well, and it's just going to run you down to beat the Bobby, shit out of you, Bobby. I'm not even talking about was that my option. I could have turned and run. Could Mike Tyson have? He was on a fucking plane. Of course not. I'm just talking to the broader point of but, like, but don't tell me that is violence is like, never an answer. Sometimes it's the only answer. I have been given opportunities. To either run or fight. Right. Flight or fight. Yeah. I've been given those opportunities. Right. I have in my life taken flight. I will walk Why out and I will you? fucking leave. I've seen some scary but shit where I dip. I've dude. also been in situations where my back was against the wall and you had and it was time to plant my feet see, and get out of there somehow. And flight, I'll go through you to do that, flight right? Flight or fight is That's different. That's not a tough guy thing. Flight or fight is different though. Flight or fight flight or fight is a response where you either freeze, fight, or run. Some people there's a third one. There's freeze, freeze too. Yeah. So that's different though. What I'm talking about is this when you're trapped, truly trapped, that flight or fight shit doesn't even work. You're either gonna freeze and take damage or you're gonna fight. And you're probably still gonna take damage. But you're going to try to defend yourself. That's the thing that sucks about fighting. Not if you're Mike Tyson. Well, yeah, true. Yeah. Unless you're busted. It goes, bop, bop, bop. And that's a wrap. (laughs) Yeah, it's a wrap. 
But but what I'm saying is this is different from then just, well, I walked down the street and somebody asked me to fight and I said no and I walked away. That's cool for you. Awesome. That's not a choice for other people. That guy that was had a 10 speed in front of the Social Security office the fucking three days ago, that guy took his shirt off and aggressively approached him. There were steps behind him. He had nowhere to go. And instead of fighting, he used his bike as a barrier. He ducked a few shots and then he boned out and good for him. But maybe somebody else wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. So stop with the, the I hate the, uh, the absolutism of this. Violence is never the answer. Well, it's not an absolute answer. The counter argument, which I've come to the conclusion that I'm following this now, is I don't involve myself no. in those situations. I'm out. I don't. I stay home. Right. How many times in the last two years have you seen me out after a sunset? A I go handful. Home. I go home. But I don't go to the tab, so. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes I do. <laughs> I've definitely been in situations where, though, like... It, it gets would, scary. It would require someone with a helicopter to... Airlift you out. Evac yeah, me totally. out of a situation. Yeah. Otherwise, the fight's happening. Shit's happening, happening right now. It's not like I can determine, like... It's not yeah. I don't get numbers. to choose whether or not I no. throw hands with this no. guy. No, it's Some happening. fucking ever, you... You beautiful liberal souls... Don't ever fucking tell me that violence is never the answer because sometimes you have to fucking defend yourself. You have to defend the person that you're with. You have to defend your partners. You have to defend your friends. If, if they are coming right well, now, they're coming for you. <laughs> um, Clarice. Uh, but anyway, what I'm saying is violence is never the answer. No, like the first answer. But it can be the last answer, man. And and that's just life. And it's, it's so naive and privileged of you to say violence is never the answer. There's not one person I know growing up that lived less than in a, in a very exclusive neighborhood that has ever felt that violence wasn't the answer as an absolutist. That's never happened. Yeah. MLK didn't feel that way. There no. are a lot of... It, it, there's a certain a point where you have to protect yourself and your family that doesn't condone the violence. It's just saying, I'm out of options now. What can I do? I'm not talking about going up and clocking somebody that looks at you sideways. I'm talking about if it's between you and bad things happening to you or somebody you love, violence might be an option. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can close on that because like sometimes... The gross option of throwing hands and just getting yourself out of a situation is it's going to be an option sometimes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like if you, you can live your life in seclusion, you can live your life yeah, go ahead. without ever interjecting yourself in anything fun. That's cool. Let's be honest. Sometimes the fun stuff comes with the rough stuff. It's alcohol. Yeah. Most alcohol and drugs if usually you're gonna leads be a, to if you're going to be around people drinking. Yep, there's a pretty good chance someone's going to take a poke at you, man. And everybody, don't else tell knows me this. I don't have the option of defending myself. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> that guy on that plane was drunk. He was clearly was inebriated. Deal- and I was. You, I was. You raise an amazing point, though. Where the fuck 
He with can't the walk away. Staff and, on that plane. And where's the staff, dude? You're in first class. Where's the staff on that plane with those fucking gospel idiots <sighs> making people listen to their bullshit? I would have told him to shut up. I would but, have John Belushi that fucking <laughs> motherfucker. I gave my love a cherry. Shit. Um, but where was the first class staff? That's my number one. And my number two is where could the guy go? Little yeah. bit different from Will Smith walking eight hundred feet to go slap that yeah. man. He can't be like, "Oh, anyway. pull over! I'm gonna get off." Yeah. Anyway, bullshit. Yeah. Okay, Fuck so off, guys, Marks. we're gonna take a quick. Break. Hey, Dick Marks, suck it. Um, Aaron needs a smoke. I can I, tell. I really. Do. I can tell. I really we're do. gonna take a quick beat. We love you. We Just, adore you. Do we have a sponsor or no? I don't. I don't think. Ah, we have a we're going sans. I think we, yeah. We're going we, to Sans. So instead of a sponsor this week, we're going to pay tribute to one of the great all-time fucking bands of our lifetime. Yep. Um, because this and is we'll a talk very, about them later, but we're you talk about it, it out. This is a very special anniversary that came up this week, yesterday, as a matter of fact. Amen. And so we decided we're going to pay tribute. So we love you guys. We're going to blow a quick dart. Enjoy 30 seconds of Muzak. Be right back. Hey, you guys, reach out to us at the Whiskey Reel. We are at 970-426-5344. Hey, graffiti guys. <laughs> Nine, seven, that was creepy. 970-426-5344. <laughs> you can also reach us at whiskeyreel at gmail.com. Word. Leave us texts. Leave us voicemails. Leave us emails. We are always going to respond. And to wit, we did get a voicemail this week. It's kind of weird. God damn, that DJ made my day. Yeah. Um... If you guys haven't noticed, we're going to talk about Beastie Boys soon. <laughs> um, our good friend, former member of the Whiskey Real family. Adjunct. He's he's an adjunct member of the Whiskey Real family. <laughs> we, we love him dearly. Uh, he left us a voicemail. And we're going to take a listen. I right, have no idea. No idea what's going on with this idiot. Hey, boys. It's Sean Moe here. Thought I'd interject with with a voicemail. Um, I've texted you guys multiple times about the new Halo series, and I can't tell whether or not you gave it a shot and you fucking hate it, or whether or not you just haven't watched it yet. But I would love to hear you guys talk about it on the episode. I'm watching episode four right now, and they're finally getting into some crazy action. The first episode had some action. The second three were like. Two or three were very deep into, you know, Master Chief's background and, and his past and stuff. So I just want to hear what you guys have to say. So please touch on it on an episode when you get a moment. Love you guys. Miss you. Bye-bye. Oh, I cut him off a little bit there. Like you usually do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was the other way around. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so... I should have cut that cut him off at like 30 seconds. I'm going to let me do my full disclosure. And then because you have so much more to say about sure. this. 
I have not watched the series. I did not. I'm one of the few people of my age group that did not play Halo. Okay. I discovered Halo at a time when my friends were already good. So I just spent three hours respawning and it was not fun. So I didn't really get into Halo that much. And from what I understand, people who played it love it. People who didn't say the best thing I've heard was it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. The movie? Like the show? The show. Oh, okay. Um, Okay, so I'll jump off there. Uh, The show is exactly that. It's not as bad as it could be. It is not. And I respect Sean's perspective on this, but I think the show is derivative of other science fiction properties, much like the game was. I think it draws a lot on like aliens and James Cameron, Battlestar and sure. And the show itself is fine. It's perfectly entertaining. I don't have a problem with it. It's the guy from uh, Orange is New Black plays Master Chief. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And he's fine, but they don't really give him a chance to like... If you've ever seen that guy, Pedro something, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to look it up either. Um, (laughs) If you've ever seen him in American Gods, he played the leprechaun. rad. Rad. Yeah. So to watch him in this Halo series as this monotone, sort of emotionally stunted okay. thing that just looks good with his shirt off or looks good in the armor. Right. I find it very boring. Well, Sean said they get more into the character in the second and third episode. So I'm hoping. So the second and third episode, which I've seen, um, they do get into the character of Master Chief like as a child and all that. Okay. But it kind of draws parallels to like the Star Wars universe where like I don't give a fuck where Boba Fett came from. Right. I like I Boba Fett. Right. I, I like when he shows up in his cool armor and he kills a bunch of people. <laughs> That's what I like about Master Chief. We just like, give me candy, candy, give me candy, candy, candy. I don't care where he came from. Right. I don't care to see him as a child. Right. I don't care to know where he came from. I like the mystery uh, and the coolness factor that comes from him just being a badass in some armor. I think. And he shows I, up and he wrecks. I, I think there's. Um, positives and negatives to be said about both types of tropes. Whether it's the mysterious guy, you never know why he does it trope. Uh, I just rewatched No Country and fucking Anton Segur, fucking Javier Bardem's character. Amazing. Not knowing where, why this guy exists makes him fascinating. Terrifying. And then, and then makes we him go terrifying. In, terrifying. But then we go into the other tropiness of seeing the whole development of a character and i can love and hate both those things for different reasons but i haven't seen the series yet i'll dig into it i'm spending a lot of my time watching really good series talk to me that i know that are already good and good movies okay um you've been watching i've been watching some shit okay um that being said, I watched one thing in particular because the series I watched with Rex, some of them are just series that we like um, that are dope. Big into Barry. Third season is coming out. Uh, 
big into the wilds, which is kind of feels like Yellow Jackets was taking a different turn. We're watching some kind of like more like deep cutty shit. The one thing I saw that blew my fucking mind. And when I say this, Whiskey Real Crew, I'm telling you, this movie will be nominated for every substantial category in next year's Oscars. Not that that means shit. It doesn't make anything more pleasurable. I'm just saying this movie is that good from every angle. Mike Tyson is hosting. He is hosting. The Oscars. Um, and, <laughs> and the guy that got punched is the correspondent. <laughs> It'll be very intense. He's doing the red carpet. There's a little movie called Everything, Everywhere, All the Time. Oh, I want to talk about this. Um, all at once. Sorry. And it's a A24 film. Thank you. If you know us, you know A24 is okay. Uh, they they have clunkers. They have the lamb, which sure. we talked about. But they also have things like the lighthouse, and they also have things like uh, X, which just came out that I haven't watched yet. I can talk to you about that. I want to fucking hear about that. Table that real quick. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Michelle Yao plays a mother of a Chinese family that's been living in San Francisco, living above a laundromat. I don't know how much more stereotype or tropey you can be, but it's all on purpose. I don't want to give anything away. And it's weird. I I talked to Rex about doing this on the podcast and I'm like, what do I say? She goes, doesn't matter. There's nothing I can say to you right now that will ruin this movie. This has to do with Kung Fu and time travel and existentialism and family and father-daughter relationships and mother-daughter relationships. We spent half of this movie intensely loving action and story. And then we spent 45 minutes crying. It was so emotionally compelling, so... uh, visually compelling from so many different angles from set design to CG. All I can say is this about this movie, watch this movie. You will come out different from this movie. And there's not a lot of movies that come out nowadays. We enjoy a lot of shit here at the real. And so do you guys. Nothing. I haven't seen a movie that changed me like this in a minute. This was different, man. This movie is different, and I don't know any other way. Rex was a wreck after this. Um, we both were. We both walked around spinning in circles. We didn't know what to do with ourselves because it was so draining in the best possible way. Pair that with kung fu and sci-fi. and <laughs> It was... One of the most interesting cinematic experiences I've ever experienced. I love that. I can't. I've been dying for this. And go see it in a movie. Yeah. Don't cheat yourself. Um, unfortunately, we live in a very small town. What town? It played for like three days here. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. And they were too busy watching Toy Story Eight. Or yeah, whatever or whatever the fuck. The fuck. Yeah. yeah, some like Dumbledore shit. Yeah, I hear that's yeah. supposed to be good though. Uh-huh. Okay, know. I don't know. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Um, I'm over that stuff. But like, um, so <laughs> I'm an adult. Speaking of a twenty four, I did watch X the other night. Um, it's streaming now. 
I am going to watch it. And from now on, I'm tonight. going to call it Ty West's X. Because he's a pretty phenomenal filmmaker. Yeah. Um, like he did like like the the innkeepers. I don't know if you remember I that movie. I remember that shit. He's the master of like Do, were you doing slow a, burn horror. Were you doing a uh kind of Harry Potter callback with the innkeepers? I get because <laughs> No, no. Okay, sorry. This is just the movie that Ty West directed. <laughs> and um, it's a great fucking movie. It's a ghost story. It really but is fun. But this movie harkens back. If you watch the trailer, you're going to be fooled. The The Good. trailer. Because it's very Texas Chainsaw. It fools you into thinking this is just Texas Chainsaw. Right. But, dude, this exists on emotional levels that Whoa. you're not quite. Fuck yeah. Ready to see. Yes, bitch. And it has violent moments in it that you're like, kind of, it's not the gore. It's the implied, It's not that, it's, it's not the, that, it's, it's not that implication. gory. It's really not that gory. It's, it's, it's moments of like, it's not jump scares, it's shock scares. You're just like, right, what? Right. How did that happen? Right. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Very, very well acted, very Kid Cuddy is prominent in this fucking movie. Right. Yeah. He's a huge fucking role in this. A bunch of people I've never seen before, but they're all fucking phenomenally good in it. And there's all the requisite, like, there's some cool tits and fucking ass in it well, and the fun, whole thing like, revolves around titillating the porn shit. Industry. Right. But beyond that it also fuck talk, yeah it's about repression interesting because that's okay don't say anymore i'm not gonna say anymore so watch fucking x it is so much fun it's also crazy disturbing there's some really fucking fantastic scenes in it hell yeah. the ending is fucking awesome he nailed it because sometimes that's where they fall apart and let's talk okay because this Turned into an A24 circle jerk, as it should. Let's be honest. You can rate best to worst of this studio, and they do some stuff that's not everybody's cup of tea. I get it. But pound for pound, there's not a studio putting out more important work. Not just horror. They do also, it's just, it's very introspective filmmaking. That is important. They're the most important studio around right on now. the planet. And we're Marvel right fans. Well, and that's why they're that important. Because mm. as much as we love Disney, the counterbalance. Much we, they're the counterbalance. They yeah, are making films that hold up and will hold up for a very long time. They're making fascinating, interesting. These are not adaptations. They're not remakes. No. These are they're OGs, man. Films being made by brilliant young filmmakers, auteurs, dude, auteurs. Yeah, man. They write, direct. They fucking, you know, and and these are not blurry art house movies. These are incredibly well made films. Yeah, and they are fucking worth all of your attention and all I your time. I promise you, a twenty four. Um, screening room you can go to and watch they will post different movies of theirs at different times that you right. can pay for it's like going to a movie theater exactly. basically and yeah you'll pay 20 bucks but like 
but, cheaper but than a fucking theater. I will say, I'm sure, I don't know about X, if you felt like it would have been a better movie-going experience in the theater. That's interesting. Um, Do you think it would have been? I think overall With horror, the right crowd? I think horror is better seen with a crowd because you feel the uh, the flow. The you feel whoosh. The, the Yeah. It's of people being taken up by a well-crafted horror movie and you get people all of a sudden when when a theater actually is like scared at gasp, the same time they gasp at the same time right it's powerful yeah now there's a moment though, in that movie i guarantee that would have happened nowadays though now right now 20 years ago i would say i would agree with you right now i'd rather watch a horror movie alone at home sure with rex or you or all of us just eating cheetos i don't know why i want to eat cheetos or when it comes to sci-fi and big action, I want to see that in a theater. When it comes to introspective horror, I want to see that and just absorb it by myself or with a loved one or somebody I care about or a friend of mine. I don't want the interjection of you dickholes because you usually don't get it. Um, there was a point we saw everything everywhere all at once in a theater and it was a really magical experience watching in the theater. There was a point towards the end where I heard a big I heard a big dude yawn, <laughs> and it pissed me off. Yeah, it made me mad. The fact that you're just tired, bro. You're so well, tired, bro. Maybe he had a from long a, day. I then don't go see a movie and don't express a yawn so audibly. Yeah, you know his. I but do you know what girl, I mean? His girl may have talked him into that shit. Man, Let, let's be devil's advocate man fuck Teresa. let's be devil's advocate i'm just saying that's what you get in a big theater is you get white tamra maybe go to the fucking tamra. movie fucking tamra, on a fucking thursday night that bitch you know to this fucking art house bullshit just saying never all i wanted to do was watch fucking moon night never gave me her half of the electric bill and she's here yawning <laughs> bitch I hate her. Uh, I hate Tamara. A twenty four forever. Yeah, forever, uh, ever, forever, ever. Uh, Bobby. More importantly, what's more important than this? More importantly, guys. Yesterday, which to you, when this comes out on Tuesday, five will be days ago, or last something. Thursday. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. The relevance is just as important. There's an album from the Beastie Boys called "Check Your Head." And it came out when I was uh, a wee lad, graduating from high school, trying to figure out my life. Didn't know what I liked. Didn't know what I didn't like. I knew one thing. I fucking liked the Beastie Boys. And I had always liked the Beastie Boys. This album came out and it made me love the Beastie Boys. It changed everything that I knew about music in that moment colored the rest of my life musically it did without question man um it's been 30 years um you guys have heard some of the tracks uh aaron and i are going to discuss this album briefly we're not gonna blow it I'm, out of the water I mean, we can wax poetic we're gonna wax poetic all we, we've done a like an entire episode about this before but yeah. we just want to pay a little homage to the Beastie Boys, yeah. obviously it goes without question. We have to <clears throat> we have to discuss the loss of Adam Yauch. 
which happened just what shit. It's been like seven God, years now, man. Time, man. It's been like seven years since it's we last had a meowk. Um, that was the end of the Beastie Boys. Yeah, for my generation, that means a big fucking deal. Yeah, man. Like when we lost, when we lost fucking MCA, MCA man. That was a big deal. Like, because we knew there would never be another Beastie Boys album. Nope. There'd never be another tour. There was never going to be another moment of watching the Beastie Boys do original shit. No. Um, this happened when I was, like I say, coming out of high school. You were probably like a I sophomore was, in college or some shit or I, working at a catering I was gig definitely not in college. Growing weed. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I think at that point I was 19. Yeah, you'd be 19. Which I was in the prime of my life, but I was getting involved in music a lot at that point. Um, and uh, like Bobby said, uh, everybody waxes poetic like we will now about the Beastie Boys. Um, the big thing that it, um, always was a, a big thing for me is when License Hill came out, rap was a unforbidden fruit to white kids. I know it's woe is me, right? Woe is me. Um, I was but a it fan was. Of rap. It was. It was unforbidden fruit. Um, if you had enough cool black friends, <laughs> yeah, then you got kind of a pass, sort of, to yeah. be even, um, even indirectly involved in the culture. Like, I remember getting hit up for my filas at bus stops because I was a white kid having feel. Now, that sounds stupid, but that was part of hip-hop culture. That was part of black culture. And what Beastie Boys did was allowed everybody else to get involved in a culture that was so beautiful. Um, maybe to the chagrin of some black people. Um, I know it feels like, you know, and and, and there's, a, there's a big... Uh, <laughs> there's a big contingency... Yeah, every time we come up with something, you motherfuckers steal it. <laughs> and and that's the truth. I always tease Rex. Like it it feels like America with the Japanese with cars. Every time we do something, you take it and make it better. It feels like with hip hop culture, not that we make it better, but that we take it and move it into a different direction. I can I interject yeah. for just a second. Yeah. I will say this. Through all my years, through high school, through college, through the Air Force, like being surrounded by my black friends, I never do one have, time. Do you have black friends? I did. Oh, I, have okay. a, I had a couple. Okay. Okay. Um, I've lost touch. That's but right. uh, I, I, I'm kidding. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I had lunch funny. with a black guy today. That's funny. No, I, I've never through all those years actually had someone though. I've never had a black guy be like, Beastie Boys, fuck that. I've always, those guys were always like, dude, yeah, Beastie but, Boys. But 100%. Listen. They were fucking, because they were on par with Def Jam with like some of the no, biggest hip hop groups. They were in Def Jam from day one. 100%. They were Rick Rubin's they were boys. Def Jam. They were in, they were Rick Rubin's boys. There was, was a point. Them and Run were initially. Jam, Def Jam was like LL, Slick Rick. Uh-huh. Fucking third base, white band, Beastie Boys, white band. Yeah, they, they Jewish, 
white band. Just saying. <laughs> well, so was Search. MC yeah. Search was yep. a MC rabbi's Search. son. But anyway, I never got a what, lot of blowback. It we it was different times, different scenarios. Were these brothers there being was, like partial to me and just being like making me feel no like I was a part of well, something, or were they actually because like most of the black guys that I run with. They were like they love the BC boys, dude. They love their flow. But listen, they love what they brought to it. There was there was a huge point, especially when it came with ill communication. When Q Tip did that oh. song with them, that gave. And this is gonna sound crazy, but Beasties after License to Ill, Paul's Boutique, Check Your Head, Ill. So they're on their fourth major studio album, and they've had. Out of the three before that, two huge successes yep. with ill commun- with uh, uh, License to Ill and with Check Your Head. Huge commercial Monster. success. Like, as big as rap's been, it took Q-Tip being on ill communication to solidify them, ah. not in the black community, but within the hip-hop with community. With the hip-hop community. And that was their pass. So After Q-Tip They didn't just get Q-Tip, them. they got Biz. Yeah, but Biz was just for moments. Listen, Biz you know was what I'm saying. Fine. So they were Biz was mentally but, challenged, but they were legitimizing themselves in the community as like real. I don't think they went. They didn't look to legitimize themselves. But dude, they toured with Run DMC. They I it doesn't it, in that time and space. It doesn't matter within the true hip hop community. It took Q Tip giving yeah. them their pass. For yeah. them to really endear themselves into the hip hop community, I'll buy so that. so even though every black kid I knew was was singing Paul Revere walking through the high school <laughs> Hell quad, yeah, dude, everybody knew every word of that song. Yep. And what I was going to say before is that album was the first instance I've ever seen of bringing communities together by virtue of music. Yeah. Not not just not just racially, but class. Class. That was the beginning of what we look as diversification of music through hip hop. And now we look at black kids skating. Now we look at white kids being some of the best MCs in the world. I don't say this enough, Aaron. Well said. Thanks, man. Like, no, you're, you're a hundred percent right. That's what I remember. That was my, that was my youth. Yeah, brother. Yeah. We, all came together we around came the together, fucking Beastie Boys, and especially I'll be initially, honest, I didn't grow up with a lot of black dudes. I grew up in New Mexico. Native I grew up with Latinos and natives, but I grew up with Latinos and natives that like fucking but NWA you grew up with people of that, color, of course. So I'm not my whole to, life. I'm not trying to say one is different from the other. These are people of color. These are marginalized communities. Nah, they're listening, all different. Listen, they're all different. But listening to listening to controversial, subversive music. Shit, yeah, man. Which at the time, asked Tipper Gore whether or not it was subversive. We were subverting the the norm. Perceptions. The perception. And when Check Your Head came out, it stopped being just, let's all get together and sing Paul Revere and fucking, uh, you know, what's the time? It's time to get ill. And singing fucking all the fucking shit that we used to sing together. Girls. Girls, um, which by the way, offensive. 
super offensive, <laughs> but still fun to sing. Still relevant. Um, Paul's Boutique was her second album. It was a resounding failure. Later, as we know now, it's the hipster's album of choice for the Beastie yes. Boys. But there is not a critic or a person in the world that listened to that album. I know I was there. Everybody hated it because they didn't understand it. That was truly ahead of its time. Then Check Your Head came out. Ooh. And boy, when So What You Want came out, which was the first single, and they were bringing back in the three-stripe Adidas suede and the Puma suede, and they had the fucking little rib t-shirts, and they brought back the swag of like old-school hip-hop mixed with the, with the new aesthetics that were the Beastie Boys at that time was some of the best production I've heard on a rap album oh. in my entire life. And I'll tell you about the song I can pick. Bobby's going to go, or I'll go first. Uh, why don't I just lead into Mike? Cause yeah, Bobby's, bring it on. Let's Bobby's do it. The yeah, deep, we're, we're, Bobby's the deep cut. We're into it. Um, we Bobby said 30th year of Check Your Head. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so old. Oh my God. <laughs> this album changed a lot of people's lives. It actually created a fashion trend within yep. every major city where it was cool to look old school. And when I say old school, I mean is old school hip hop, man. Kangol's came back, Gazelles came back, Puma came back, Adidas came back. Yep. This was a resurgence of that style of b boying that, um, without the Beastie Boys, may have never resurfaced, or might have, but whatever. History plays the way it plays. Um, the, the the track I'm going to do is because of the production has little to do with the Beastie Boys <clears throat> outside of picking the, the beat and adding to it. I think, speaking of Adam Yauch, MCA, I think he did the, the bass line to this in the break, which is still one of my favorite bass lines of all time. The snare in this yeah. might be <laughs> the perfect hip-hop snare in my mind. And that's why I picked Pass the Mic. We've all heard it. We all know it. It deserves all of its reverence. There's all of its praise. Uh, this is just three boys having fun coming off of an album that did shit. So they went back and played their own instruments and they got back to what fucking yep. made them who they were. And if you don't know the song, you're fucking welcome. Okay, so that was amazing. Like, it's a banger, man. It's not just a banger, Aaron. Like, we're no. never gonna hear that again. I know you were saying that while I was playing. We're like, we're never getting this again. Oh no, and we. I'm going to have to re-record that whole. I understand. We could not shut the we're fuck freaking up out for whole five time. seconds. But look, it's the same. That's why it was so hard for me to choose between like, so what you want in this. It has a lot of the same vibes. Yes. 
There were parts. The fuzz. There were parts of this from a production level which had never been done. Which is, they played their own instruments on their own song, and it happened with "Lighten Up." It happened. Up, yes. Um, it happened up with uh, "Gratitude" on this. Um, this album is not a hip hop album. This is an everything album. Um, this is listen f- from beginning to end. It's a conceptual album. They wanted you to feel a certain way. They wanted to bring you into a family. You felt more connected to this band after this album. Um, it made you feel like you were part of something. You, Even yeah, as a I was about to say you felt you kid, feel more connected to a a scene like it was to a. a yeah, like you, this is what we are doing. It, Do you want to be a part of it? If you're a scrawny white kid in Tulsa, dude, listening to this by yourself in 1992, you went and bought a skateboard, partner. You <laughs> you bought some Adidas and you started fucking riding around town, man. Like, yeah, this was an important album, and not just for suburban kids. I think this really. I don't want to say put on notice. This really made it clear that this band, this little silly fight for your right to party band that was uh, groomed by fucking Russell and, and fucking, um, it, it was groomed Rick, by Def Rick Rubin by Rook, yeah. by Rick. Um, they were groomed like the, you guys are going to be our money hounds and they made them their money. Hounds. And they worked and they worked and, and, Unbeknownst to those Three guys, Jewish kids from Brooklyn. Unbeknownst to those guys, <laughs> those guys actually cared about the music they were playing. They weren't 100%. just trying to get a paycheck. Nope. They continued playing their instruments. It was a revelation in music. And I'm sorry, you guys, you young kids, won't get to feel the same way we felt. But I'm yeah, sure. But when you know you, what? I'm sure That's when you true. listen, they got the same fucking access. I think there's a lot of that. I, I get, think without, like there's a generational. Without beasties, there's no odd future. Without beasties, there's Dude. no fucking Zillakami. Without beasties, there's no nobody that's gonna take Denzel Curry. I'm not gonna say that this chances. I won't say that, and this is my prelude to my song. I'm not gonna say this album changed the trajectory of hip hop music because it didn't. What it did it was it. it altered it and curved. it curved. The trajectory of hip hop music, it did because it upped the ante on everybody else musicianship, songwriting, absolutely not lyrically. It wasn't like nobody's gonna say this is cool G rap. This is not. This is not KRS One. They weren't doing miracle. Mike D fucking rhymes commercial commercial commercial. with the word commercial in this song it's not he made it made sense this ain't Aesop Rock no it isn't (laughs) but what they did is they allowed people I think they they allowed people not to be Audio 2 and Run DMC and LL Cool J and Cool Mo D where you felt you had to fit a mold to make relevant music within this art form. You can play your own music. You can be funky. You can be soulful. You can not have to rap. Talk to me, Kanye. Talk to me, Jay-Z. Remember times when you didn't have to rap? It used to be an MC. All he did was open his mouth and rap. And these guys kind of made it easier for everybody not to rap. They shifted stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know how to even describe it. All right. So my song is different. 
It's so different. This is my favorite Beastie Boys song of all time. Of all time? Because I think oh this God. is their ultimate B-boy hip-hop song. How did you so, explain it? Well, after after um, after License, License to, to Ill, Ill the, they were so b-boy on that album. Like everything was braggadocious and fucking. I'm carrying a that fucking twenty-two, That's and I'm it. fucking. I'm on the corner, and all I that like bullshit, how they're right? carrying a twenty-two, and everybody now is carrying a fucking um, yeah, an AK a hand cannon or a fucking hand cannon. Yeah. What these guys did was create a different culture that didn't exist in anywhere else. No. But it was very B-boy. They were fucking rocking their fucking... Yeah. They're rocking their Kangos. They're rocking their fucking Adidas. They're fucking like... I don't know. This song is so street for the Beastie Boys. It's, <laughs> it's swaggy for it's them. It's swaggy. Thank yeah. you. That's and, the word. That's and, the word I used earlier. And license It's to super Ill. fucking swaggy. Yeah. Um, this is my favorite track... Definitely on this album. So good. Definitely in the running on my Mount Rushmore of Beastie Boys songs. Which is crazy. Dude, I love this. To say this is it. I love this song. Okay, let's go. There's one line in this song that kills me so hard (laughs) that it fucking makes me want to cry every time I fucking hear it. What is it? Because it's so dumb. So just say it. You think it's chocolate milk, but it's watered down (laughs) yoo-hoo. Is... One of my favorite moments in hip hop history. Like <laughs> that is the dumbest lyric <laughs> that hits so hard when fucking they say it. <laughs> so, anyways, Get guys, um, I opened up the podcast with the opening salvo to this song. Yeah, man. Um, this is Professor Booty. Mario C, baby. We got to shout that guy out. Got the beat going. Mario Casado Jr. was the producer, their third producer in three albums. To be fair. To be fair. You know. um, To be fair. Maybe he found something in their sound that no one else had quite found yet. It it would appear that their sound was really really wet at this time and when yes. i say that everything's legato nothing's really tight with tight corners around it i know that's a really weird thing to say but with like if you think about modern and pop music right the drums the bass the guitar the synth everything's very tight it gets it's legato it gets cut off on the four What's really cool about this album is it breathes. It it feels very natural in in when the especially that we talked about pass the mic that snare breathes. It's a, it's a woof. 
It breathes. That is a great way it to fucking breathes, describe this man. album, man. It breathes. It breathes, man. This album is alive. But like, it breathes. It's alive. How's that? I love that. Suck it, I nerd. love that. Suck it, nerd. Suck it, nerd. Um, it breathes. Um, and it, it continues to breathe because it continues to be alive, which is why a lot of pop bullshit that was made in a certain time frame is they cut that legato. It's staccato. It's very harsh. It's very tight. Yeah. It's not allowed to give itself any breath and it dies. This album doesn't die. This album will be along long after me and old fan noise well, are fucking done. And I feel like we're going to wrap up on Beastie Boys because we're at uh, yeah. almost two hours. But That's fine. I'll say this. There's a couple of other tracks. You mentioned Lighten Up as uh, <sighs> it's a beautiful little like intermezzo. It is an intermezzo. You know, and it's fucking also gratitude. awesome. Gratitude is a great little fucking punk song they threw in the fucking middle of things. It feels more like um, like rowdy hardcore. How many times ska. do you get to hear a live track just in the middle of a fucking studio album, like live at PJ's, which has Dope. some of the dopest fucking rhymes you will ever hear from the Beastie Boys? Why don't we? And also the fucking cool down for the crowd. At the end of it, yeah, it's so fucking cool. So why don't man. we do this? Why don't we give? I'm gonna wrap the show. Let's wrap it with live at PJs. Let's wrap it. Yeah, I got I got one thing to say first. Yeah, yeah, please, please. I got one thing to say first. Based on my time in Denver, my time with the Idols, I have I have one phrase to say. I go outside, and I feel free. Because I smash mirrors and fuck TV. <laughs> I like Think that. about it, man. I like that. Hey, you guys, we love you. We're going to wrap this up with a little more Beastie Boys because, hey, 30 fucking years. Don't act like you don't like it. And by the way, they didn't finish here. They put out Hello Nasty. They put out Hello uh, Ill, Ill communication. communication. They did fucking so much amazing work. Uh, these gentlemen Stop. should be celebrated, and that's what we're doing today. Yeah, hey, brother. we love you guys. Enjoy Live at PJ. Rip, Yausch. Thanks for coming down tonight. It's nice to see all you guys back here. All you guys. Alright, we're gonna put this one up now. Hey. We're gonna put this one up now.